Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to have you with us today and a special welcome to anyone who's new or visiting with us today. We're really glad that you've been able to join us. Let me pray as we look at this part of God's Word together. Now, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your good word, and we thank you that for the opportunity to read it together today. We pray that you might help us to understand it, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, last week we began a really ambitious series looking at the Song of Songs, a, a journey, if you like, an adventure into the love poetry of the Bible. It paints a picture of love within marriage it shows us how to appreciate God's good gift of our relationships. But there's also a caution in this song as well, a caution, a reminder to wait for God's timing. And if you recall last week, we especially spoke about the importance of uh, using our words, do you remember, uh, to praise and to compliment and to build up our spouse. Now, I'm just uh, wondering how you went with that over the past week whether any of you are game enough to liken your beloved to a, uh, to a horse. And uh, I'm looking around for bruises on faces. I can't see any black eyes. I presume you found a different way to be able to praise your spouse. Uh, let me know how you went. If you tried the old, uh, your nose is like the Tower of Lebanon as well. Um, it's full of interesting phrases, the Song of Songs. But relationships of all types can be very difficult. Uh, and there are so many challenges in the relationships that we have. Uh, in particular, I'll share with you one story. When Kathy and I first started going out many years ago, I was smitten. I was just smitten by her. And of course, one of the things I had to try to work out was when do you say the, the L word? When do you say I love you? And I had no idea what the right thing to do was. I had no idea when to say it. And then one time, uh, I dropped her off after a night out and I think at this point I was still in my car and she was in her house and we rang each other because we might as well. So I was sitting in her driveway on my phone and she was in her house on her phone. Thank you Optus Free Time, if anyone remembers Optus Free Time. And uh, we were finishing up our conversation and I said, see ya, and she said, love you. And I froze and I hung up. And I, and then all I could hear was beep, beep, beep. And I thought, I've just totally ruined this moment. What do I say? Well, I did what any other person would do in that situation. I texted her, love you too. Good save. Well, little did I know that Kathy had only said the I love you phrase by accident. She didn't intend it. It was just the way that she would normally finish a conversation with her mum on the phone. And so by accident, she had said the L word to me. Working out relationships are really tricky and they're really challenging, especially when they're starting out. But we know that even if you're married a short time or a long time, uh, marriages are a steep learning curve, aren't they? Have you found that? We learn a lot in marriage. I remember when I was newly married too, I learned so many things. Do you really want me to vacuum every day? Uh, is Vegemite supposed to go in the fridge? Um, and how many cushions do you need on a bed exactly? We learn so much. There are so many things for us to develop. Um, if you're newly married, it, it can be quite the adventure, of course, can't it? Figuring out uh, where to go, 
what to do with your time, who you're with. There's really like so much to learn. But there are also challenges as well. And I think that's part of the necessary bargain for deciding to go on a lifelong adventure with someone else. And it's in the vows, of course, when we say our vows, we say it's for better, but we also say it's for worse. Entering into a marriage with someone else is accepting responsibility, not only for the joys that will no doubt come your way, but also recognizing that you have a responsibility to manage the challenges that will come your way as well. And so it's no surprise that in married life, there must be a willingness to navigate the challenges if the commitment is going to be sustained. Um, I was thinking about an illustration of this, and the one I came up with is like, marriage is more like running the hurdles than doing a 100-meter sprint, because you have to kind of jump over these obstacles, and you've got to do it together. Because we all know what it's like, well, many of us know what it's like, sorry, that in, in a married situation, there are all kinds of things that can, can creep up into a relationship over time. There can be uh, arguments that you have with one another that keep recurring. There can be frustrations and resentments that don't get dealt with, and it can build up over time. And over time, these things can create a sense of distance between people that were once star-crossed lovers on the other end of phones in each other's driveways. This kind of distance can happen in a marriage and it can grow. What we need is we need wisdom from the Bible. We need wisdom from God on how to handle this most important relationship that we have in our life. And if we can find a way to do it, not only will we find a way to navigate the challenges in our life, but we'll also find a way of living life in a more pleasurable way. So this is what Song of Songs is doing for us. It's not just telling us the things that we're not supposed to do in our relationship. It's telling us how to live together so that we might enjoy God's blessing in the relationships that God gives to us. And so whether you're um, here today as a Christian um, or whether you're just kind of sussing things out, if you're ready to hear about a different approach to the way that relationships can happen, then Song of Songs is a really good place uh, to spend some time and to linger in. But also a note of caution, if you don't mind. Uh, today in Song of Songs, we're going to be looking at some of the normal challenges that uh, healthy marriages face. And I want to stress the word normal challenges here, because there are some situations that come up in our relationships that need uh, special care and special attention. The relationship that we're looking at in Song of Songs is one of these kind of normal life situations. It shows normal issues for a healthy marriage. But we need to be careful not simply to project all of our own situation into what this couple is facing. The advice that Song of Songs is giving here is, is not for violent relationships. It's not for abusive relationships. There are different things and a different approach is required for situations like that. And if you are in a situation like that, it's really wise to reach out and seek particular help. Well, with all that said, let's have a look at Song of Songs together. Do you have your Bible open? Song of Songs chapter 2 and chapter 3. So in this passage today, the first thing that I want us to see is that there is a little bit of distance between these young lovers. From her side and from his side, and what we see in this passage is that they take action to close the distance and come together again. Let's have a look at chapter 2, verse 8. 
we, here we hear the voice of the young lass and she speaks, sings, and she sees her man in the distance. Listen, my beloved, look, here he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. I have to say I read that and, I, and my knees started creaking at the thought of that. don't know you, what you guys think. I, thought, I read that and I thought, enjoy it while it lasts, young man. Pretty soon you'll be taking pills for osteoarthritis. It's not going to last forever. But enjoy the leaping and bounding. She goes on to say, my beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. She's in love. Her beloved has arrived. He's approaching their home. He sees her. He wants to be with her. Isn't it a lovely image of a man rushing to be with his darling? A quick aside to the gentleman in the room. Uh, do you come home from work or from, where, from wherever you've been leaping and bounding with joy to be with your beloved? Stop poking and nudging each other. I can see you from here. It, it's a hard thing, isn't it? Because often when we're coming home, like, we're tired, we're stressed, we're carrying the worries of other people on our shoulders. I had a friend of mine who, um, he said that when he got home from work, what he would do um, was he would used to just, he would, he would park his car in the garage and just sit there in his car for a while. He would sit there for a full minute or so simply to rid himself of all the stress that had built up during the day so that he could be fully present when he went home with his family. There's wisdom in that. There's wisdom in taking time to leap and bound to your beloved. Well, what do we see happens here? Uh, things sounding great. We have a, a leaping and bounding young man. He catches a glimpse of his wife and he is captivated. You can almost see him seeing her uh, through the lounge room window, maybe with the light on in the background, and he is smitten. But then we see something happen. We notice that she begins to hesitate. She hesitates and she tells us this from verse number 10. My beloved spoke and said to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. He's come home. He's ready to take her out. Spring is in the air. The rains are over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. He has come back from wherever he is to enjoy time with his beloved. The fig tree and the vine are blossoming. And that's a hint, isn't it, that her beloved is looking for her for more than just gardening. He wants her to be with him. Their time apart has increased his longing for her. Now we see why he's bounding and leaping. At least that's how it sounds. But there's a little issue, isn't there? It seems as if she has started to withdraw a little bit. She's excited to see him, but something is stopping her from approaching him. She's keeping her distance. And there are three clues as to why this is the case. Have a look with me at verse 14 and 15. Now he begins to sing and he says, My dove in the clefts of the rock, in the hiding places on the mountainside, he sings, You are my dove, but my little dove is hiding. My little dove has flown away in the clefts of the rock, hard to get there, in the hiding places 
in the mountains. She is his dove, but something, that's the first clue, seems to be the case that she has made herself unavailable, hard to reach. Something seems to be keeping her from coming to him. Maybe they had an argument earlier in the day. Maybe. Maybe she... uh, uh, maybe he did not return her text messages during the day, all hundred of them, maybe. Or maybe he just forgot to put the bins out in the morning and she's left with the mess. Who knows? The second clue that she seems to be slightly withdrawn from him comes because he has to ask her. He says, please let me see you. Please let me hear you. He says that in verse 14, doesn't he? Show me your face. Let me hear your voice. He's wondering why she is not showing herself to him. Well, he's a wise guy. He compliments her, encourages her. He says, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. I want to see you. I want to hear you. The third clue that she seems to be slightly hiding from him comes in verse 15. It's probably the most obvious. Do you want to have a look at it with me? He says to her, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. He says outright, there are seem to be foxes that are running amok through our vineyards. Now, all throughout the Song of Songs, the vineyards is uh, something of a, an image or a metaphor for the lovers in their intimacy, their bodies together. Their, their vineyards are in bloom, spring is in the air, the time for love is there. The vineyards are ready, but the man seems to have worked it out Something is running amok here. There are foxes running through the vineyards. Now, this was probably something, this image of uh, foxes and vineyards was probably something that the young woman knew very well. If we remember back to last week, we remember that she was had to work in the family vineyard. And in order to protect the fruit of the vineyard, the, 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 the vineyard needed to be protected from predators like foxes. Foxes were a danger, and he seems to be using this image here. The man knows something is up. Why are you staying away from me? What is troubling you? Let's deal with those foxes so that our vineyards can be safe and secure. So, young lovers in trouble, what's going on? What is the issue? Well, frankly, we're not told, are we? We don't know if it was a text message thing or a rubbish thing or an argument thing. We're not told. And I think that's a good thing. Remember, this is a song. This is presenting a picture that we are supposed to, in some sense, engage with. There's a vagary here, an ambiguity here that I think is helpful for us because it means that there's something that we can relate to as well because those of us who've been married know what it's like when distance is created in our relationships. Do you know what I mean? Have you experienced some of that from time to time? When something comes up in the relationship that actually causes you to move one step away from each other, to find a hiding place from your spouse. All sorts of foxes, there are all different kinds that can come up that can create this situation for us in our relationship. And you might even like to, if you're married, you might even like to consider what your experience of that has been like. Let me just give you some examples. I'll I'll give you three, but there are many more. So what are some things that can create distance in a relationship? Well, the first thing that came to mind was Thoughts, simply intrusive thoughts. Do you know that moment when you're out to dinner 
it's that a special date night, for example. You've been able to arrange things so that you can be together and you're sitting there and you've ordered the food. You probably took half an hour to order because it takes that long to work it out. And then you sit there and you look at each other and you've just got nothing to say. And you look at each other and then you look over, your, over the other person's shoulder and you start thinking about, what do I need to do for work tomorrow? Um, did I put the bins out or not? Um, I hope the kids are going to be okay. Uh, and, and all of a sudden, distance is created in that moment that was designed for you to be together. It's the way that we think. We, we can be present in person with the one that we love, but our mind can take us away to a different place altogether. We can be distracted, can't we? Um, I'm sure we've all had the experience of, of being at home and, and just being on our phones instead of being with the one that we love. These sorts of distractions and thoughts can leave us with greater distance between the one that we love, a little fox in the vineyard. Here's a second example. What about time? You know how when you're first married, all the, you have all the time in the world, don't you? All the time in the world to be together, to gaze into one another's eyes and to spend time with each other. But then life gets busy. All of a sudden, you're at work, she's at work, there's all these other chores that have to happen. Uh, sometimes kids turn up and the little tipper-tapper of feet down the hallway and the knock-knocks on the, on the bedroom doors can be very distracting, can't it? Your mind is start to be distracted simply by all the other things that you need to do. Instead of having conversations about the things that you can do together, your, your calendars remind you of all the time that you're apart. I think time can be something that can create distance as well. We need to work hard to be able to make sure that there is enough time for us to be together in our relationships. Or what about another example? What about troubles? Um, what about when you've had an argument, for example? You've busted up over something. It might be big. It might just be something small. Um, little things or big things that are not resolved can create an anchor on your heart and create a distance between the two of you. Well, these are normal sorts of situations that happens in relationships, but they are nevertheless things that we need to work on, whether you've been married a short time or a long time. Well, how does it turn out? Well, I want you also to notice not just that this problem is described, but also there are some clues as to how this problem is resolved in the first part of the song. Notice that the young lady is keen for her husband, but something is holding her back, but her husband notices this. He notices this and he does a few things. Guys in the room, make sure that you are present and aware of the sorts of things that are troubling your relationship. Be, be alert to the foxes that can creep in. The husband notices and he does a few things. Firstly, he begins by being totally present to her. He's not distracted by the other things. He's totally present to her. Secondly, he reassures her of his love and commitment to her. He says, doesn't he, in verse 14, um, your voice is sweet to me. Your face is lovely. You are my dove. He's reaffirming and, 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 and reminding her that he is committed to her and that she is special to him. And that's so important when dealing with these sorts of issues that, that, that come together because distance can make us at times uh, lose sight of the love that we ought to have for each other. So reassuring and reaffirming that love is so important. The third thing he does is he says, we have to 
catch the foxes. He doesn't just say there, there are foxes in this vineyard. He says, let's catch them. Let's find them. Let's deal with them. Let's do something about it. I like this initiative. He says, if there are, if, if there are, if there are troubles and issues that are happening in our relationship that's causing distance to be between us, well, let's find a way to deal with it. Let's solve this problem. Don't ignore it, he says. Let's deal with it. This is some, there's some real wisdom in this, I think, for us as well, isn't there? Because there is a strong temptation when issues arise in marriage for us not to deal with it. Just to let it go, ignore it, and not actually manage the issue. But over time, this can create distance. So this man is wise enough to say, we need to do something about this. You might want to consider for yourself, if you're married here today, what the little fox is in your vineyard at the moment. What's the thing? Is there an issue? Is it the way that you don't have time for each other? Is it the way that you don't spend um, enough time thinking with each other? Is it an argument that hasn't been resolved? What's the little fox that you actually need to go home today and have a conversation about to catch? Well, how does it turn out? Well, it's really sweet, isn't it? It's really sweet. Intimacy is awakened again. For some, somehow, we're not exactly sure how the problem is resolved, but we see the outcome in verse 16. Um, she, we hear the voice of the young lady again, and she says, my beloved is mine, and I am his. And he browses among the lilies. The lilies are almost certainly a reference to her body or just a part of her body, and she welcomes him back. They're together again. He is mine, and I am his. It goes on, doesn't it? Verse 17, until the day breaks and the shadows flee, turn my beloved and be like a gazelle or like a young stag on the rugged hills. She has not lost sight of who he is to her. And she's saying, come and be with me, stay with me for the night and um, we can enjoy one another again. I think that verse 16 and 17 provides us with a little bit of extra incentive and motivation to have a go at closing the distance, doesn't it? Because sometimes we get our eyes so fixed on the problem that we forget the kind of place where it could lead to if we were to resolve it. So verse 16 and 17 are really helpful for us. Well, at the end of verse 17, that verse finishes, and from chapter 3, verse 1, we're introduced to a new picture and a new scene. This is really important for us to understand. Chapter 3, verse 1 is the beginning of a new part of the song. Just like in the first chapter that we saw last week, there are different episodes, if you like, in the song. Chapter 3, verse 1 is a new one. Have a look at it. So in the second part here from chapter 3, verse 1, it's as if the couple are now sitting on the other side of the bed. This time, instead of the young lady being distant from her husband, it's the man who has gone missing in action. He's gone AWOL. Look with me. We hear her voice. All night long on my bed, she sings, I looked for the one my heart loves. I looked for him, but I did not find him. She's thinking about him. He's not there and she's lonely. And it's nighttime and has he, she's wondering, you know, like I'm wondering, where is he? Why, why is she on her own? Has he, has he stayed back at work? Is there, is there a couple of sheep that have gone missing on the hills? Um, is he just avoiding her? Is he with his mates? Like, did they have an argument? Did they have another argument? Did he walk out on her into the cold? Again, like we're not told, are we? Do you see the ambiguity and the vagueness here? We're not told, but we do realize that she is on her own. 
So what's she going to do? With this distance that her husband has created by his absence, her mind is racing and she can't sleep. And so she goes out on a limb and she goes looking for it. She goes out into the cold night air to look for her husband who has gone. Imagine. Like that's a, it seems like a pretty like out there kind of thing for us to do here. But in that culture back then, no lights, no outdoor lights at night, pitch black, dangerous place to be out at night. But so what it meant was that she was willing to take a risk to close the distance that had been created between them. It seemed worthwhile to her. Verse 2, she says, I'm going to get up. I'll get up now and I'll go about the city through its streets and squares. I'll search for the one my heart loves. So I looked for him, but I didn't find him. But then lo and behold, as she keeps searching, she finds him going past the guards. She says, she says in verse 4 that when I found the one my heart loves, that's the clue that she found him. What did she do? She said, I held him and I would not let him go. The distance has been closed. They're together again. Peace is found in the relationship. And now, once again, we see the outcome is intimacy. They come back together. What happens after? She says that she would not let him go. She says that, she says, till I brought him to my mother's house, to the room of the one who conceived me. Making love is on her mind. And she leads him into a room. Maybe they are living in the house that used to be her mother's home, perhaps, and they are one once again. Let's just pause and reflect on this. Do you see what we've seen in these two episodes of the songs? Firstly, the man um, had to approach the woman. In the second, the woman approached the man. And sometimes in married life, there are all sorts of things that can create distance between a couple, staying late at work, being out with friends, tiredness. There are all sorts of things that can create arguments. Now, of course, it's also worth recognizing, and it's very important, that we see that not all distance is a bad thing for a couple to have. It's a good thing for us to maintain our sense of self, have our own space, have our own autonomy in a marriage. All of that is fine. But the kind of distance that's described here is an unhealthy type. The woman is left worried and anxious and alone. What will she do when this distance is created? Well, she takes some initiative. She takes some steps. Now, I don't know if you've ever... Um, had an argument uh, with your beloved and uh, you felt like the temperature in the room just go down 10 degrees instantly. You know, that everything just got a little bit frostier. Um, you said something that you shouldn't have and you think, or, you, or you're, you're at a night out and you, it's a special night out that you've planned, but, uh, but uh, something has happened and it's been ruined. You think to yourself in that moment, whatever the cause, uh, I don't want it to be like this, but what do we do now? Um, I remember a friend um, telling me that after an argument one day, he said he went to bed and he turned to one side of the bed, you know, facing outwards, and then his wife came to bed and she laid down and turned the other way, and he said that the gap in the bed just felt like a mile wide between them and cold. He said that night, no one turned back. It was a standoff, and it's kind of just as fixed in his mind because each person was waiting for the other person to turn around to try to remedy the problem, but it didn't happen. I think this passage is teaching us to stand up to standoffs. 
and not to have them to take initiative to search for our spouse and close the distance that can be created in our relationships. And also, just as a quick aside, I, I want, also want us to notice that, um, especially if you're here today and you're not married, it's worth noticing that companionship is not a guarantee in marriage. Uh, it actually needs to be nurtured and protected if it's going to endure. And as I speak to various people around the place, it's a, it's a common thing for marriages to struggle with this over time. Well, the section finishes in chapter 3, verse 5, with the very same words that we saw at the end of the passage last week. The woman sings to the daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, verse 5, by the gazelles and by the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Just look at this again. After the emotional distance has been restored between this young couple and after the couple are intimate again, what does this young lady do? Well, she turns to the unmarried younger women and she says, wait, wait. And she is really serious about this. She continues to repeat this throughout Song of Songs. What she's saying is that the right moment for this kind of intimacy is within marriage. The permanent and exclusive and public commitment of marriage is necessary for this kind of free expression of our desires. Now, doesn't that sound like crazy talk today in our world? Doesn't that sound weird? Waiting, waiting until marriage? I know that a lot of young people today in relationships, and older people as well, I might add, they consider carefully about when the right time for intimacy is in a relationship. For many, when it comes to timing, though, it's not about whether or not they are married. It is about how many dates they have been on or how long they have been together. That's the kind of way the culture says, the, how many dates do you need to take before it's time to be intimate with each other? Now, there are all kinds of reasons why I think this mood in the culture has changed over the years. I think sometimes we talk and act like that as if we think that it's just about pleasure. Intimacy is just for our own personal pleasure and this other person is there and their body is available and I think that we probably would all agree that's a pretty ugly way of thinking about it. I think that's pretty fair to say. But in other situations, I think that people have the right kind of idea. They want to make sure their relationship will work and they've been told by the wider world that the way to make sure that their relationship will work is to make sure that they are intimate before they are married. Have you heard that kind of line? Maybe perhaps you've thought that in the past. Now, I've mentioned this before, but I think that the world has seems to have bought this particular line of thinking, hook, line and quilt cover. But in the end, the statistics bear that it doesn't seem to work out. I've mentioned this, but one of the lines from culture that says that, that intimacy needs to be part of dating because it re makes relationships more successful. But the data from our own world does not back that up. The data shows that people who have the most satisfied relationships, those who are least likely to divorce, those who are more likely to remain committed, and yes, those who are more likely to have intimacy together, reserve intimacy for marriage. 
If a committed lifelong relationship is what you are seeking, it's worth hearing the Song of Songs on this. It's worth hearing the woman's voice. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Well, finally, let's consider um, God's view on this a bit further. See, in all this, we've seen a theme, haven't we, of closing the distance between each other at the perfect time. And in all this talk of relationships, uh, perhaps um, you might be conscious even right now of mistakes that you have made, uh, both currently and maybe in the past, and perhaps you're feeling a sense of regret or guilt about that. If that's you, I just let me just remind you that you're most certainly not alone in these sorts of things. And in the midst of our sin and mistakes, we have a God who sees us for who we are and how we have lived. He knows every single moment that we have failed. The Bible talks about this as human sin. And it's been the story in the Bible from the very beginning. Do you remember the first few pages of the Bible were introduced to Adam and Eve? And what happened when they sinned? Well, they, they first of all became separated from each other and they were separated from God. They were taken away from the presence of God out of paradise. This is what sin does. It separates us from those we love and it separates us from God. If you like, we walked out on God when we sinned. So what are we going to do with that? As good as our married relationship might be, the Bible has an even better relationship on offer for us, a relationship with the God who made us. But the Bible also says that there's a problem because we've created distance between us and God. Well, the good news of the Bible, of course, is that we have a God who sees the distance between us and closes the gap. He comes from, he goes from heaven to earth so that we might be once again with him. When we were far away, he met us in his son and brought us home. Friends, there is forgiveness on offer for you. There is a relationship on offer for you that will extend into eternity if only you would see the God who came from heaven and earth to die on a cross, to forgive you from your sins so that you might have a relationship with him. God promises to forgive you from every single sin and failure in your life and give you a fresh start. That's the good news of the gospel. And can I say that there is the faintest of gospel echoes in our own marriages when we seek to close the distance with each other. Do you see it? when we seek to close the distance between the one that we have committed ourselves to, don't we in some small way point to the greater act of God who closed the distance between us and him? When we seek to catch the foxes in our vineyards, when we walk in the dark to bring our loved one home, when we turn back to our spouse in the bed, when we have that conversation that we know we need to have, when we reach out and hold their hand and say, will you pray with me? When we close the distance, when we come back together again, we faintly but definitely point to the great distance that God went for us as his people. He went the long way from heaven and earth to find us. 
my brothers and sisters, the peaceful night's sleep after fixing an argument with your beloved and the heavenly eternity with the God who forgives you perhaps has more in common than we first think. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for our relationships, but above all, we thank you for our eternal and perfect and restored relationship with you, that you invite us into eternity, that we might be with you forever and experience peace and joy. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. And whilst we live here on earth, might you bring peace and blessing to our homes as well as we seek your will for our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.